Hey, Craig. Hey Jeff, hello. Wow, I just saw the uh, <laughs> so I like blew out <laughs> the level on that one. So good luck with that. <laughs> and sorry, sorry if your ears hurt right now, podcast listeners. Yeah. Uh, well, we're just so damn excited. We're so damn excited. Uh, a lot of this stuff is, to be excited about right now. Yes, yes. This is podcast versus everyone, episode one forty-five. I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser, and. Today, there shall be no discussion of football, maybe football, uh, but today, primarily, we're going to preview the men's and women's hoop seasons, one of the, the most anticipated season for either in a long time. Uh, we're very excited to do that. But first, Jeff, we got to talk about one of the, the, well, the best program we have, you know, no offensive yeah. volleyball, but... Um, you know, but, uh, no, I don't, th- I don't think there's any arguing Yeah, this one, uh, soccer headed back after that, that one year hiatus in that nonsense. Hell season, yeah. Headed Hell back yeah. to the NCAA tournament. Uh, awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Uh, they are playing Montana who they beat a couple of years ago in the tournament by, by a fairly substantial margin five to one. Um, very excited uh potentially Tennessee or Lipscomb in the second round um probably we figured it out you know they don't seed anyone outside of the top 16 probably a 6 seed which kind of aligns Roughly, exactly yeah. where their RPI is right so yeah um, when i was looking at i looked at the RPI and cuz i you know i'm not familiar with you know all these other teams and they it, it appears that the uh committee more or less seeded Pretty much along our uh, along RPI <laughs> along RPI ranking, which yeah, you know, whatever. It seemed like they gave a little bit of bump to people here and there for conference championships, but more or less yeah. uh, went in line with their RPI, which you know, whatever I guess. Um, and so you know, so we ended up somewhere that appears about a six seed. Um, and again, like you said, that appears to be maybe just about right. Um, and the good news is, as you mentioned, uh, when we were chatting about this earlier, so they play, they get the home match. And then if they win that, they go, um, away from Pullman, but presuming that Tennessee beats, uh, Lipscomb, or even if Lipscomb beats Tennessee, um, that game is not going to be at Tennessee where Tennessee hasn't lost a game all year. That game will be in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, which is where they play the second and third rounds would be at least presuming Michigan wins. Michigan's the two seed in the region. Presuming Michigan wins, that'll be in Michigan. Uh, and so they would. Yes, but the, the uh, two seed does occasionally lose, as WSU knows, when it beat the second seeded UCF uh, in 2017, f- which made the third seeded 
uh, Florida Gators, the host team for the second and third round. So that is true. So who knows what will happen? Who knows? Uh, maybe maybe both those teams will lose, and we'll have a weekend of football and soccer in the second and third rounds. Uh, but first, I got yeah, to beat Montana. Pullman. Yeah, I'd have to yeah. drive to Pullman. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the, the, the they uh, they really if you're if you're looking at how they uh, pretty much got a seating along where their RPI was, they really in those last two weekends got a huge huge boost to their RPI. They were yep. in the 40s, so you're looking at like an eight or nine. So you're looking at probably playing a one seed in the second round, um, if that's the case. Uh, but they boosted up uh, a few a few uh, levels um, by first those we talked about last week those uh, wins at Oregon and Oregon State those comeback or or late wins and then of course this weekend last Friday um, just about as much fun as Kook fans have had in purple territory recently uh, aside from maybe a couple of basketball games but. Uh, uh, but uh, just a ton of fun um, watching them totally smack around UW, especially in the second half, with just uh, incredible finishing. Uh, one of the greatest goals I've ever seen live uh, from uh, Alyssa Gray. And just super fun, very loud and boisterous Kook fans at Husky Soccer Stadium uh, singing our fight song. UW was not singing their fight song because their fans don't know their fight song. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was we were much louder, you know, probably about a quarter of the size of their fans, but still much, much louder. There's quite a few of us there. It was a blast. Uh, our buddy Zane was there. Uh, he, me and him were jumping around at some of those goals because, what you know, I got to say, that Alyssa Gray goal was stunning, like just a rocket insane yep. shot unsavable yep. like just ridiculous from about i don't know 30 yards out on the angle too insane shot and it was all kooks from then on out i think that that or that was that made it 3-1 i want to say no that was 2-1 made it 2-1 and then they got a couple more to make it 4-1 UW got a late goal that doesn't matter uh yep. but yeah that was that was real fun uh they deserved every bit of that 4-2 um, UW maybe had about a 20 minute spell in the first half when they, they were controlling the game, but otherwise it was all Cougs all the time. And, and it was a blast just to watch them. I, you know, they really wanted that, especially the yeah. seniors, the older players who had lost to UW the last two years. Uh, they wanted to, f to go there, beat them, finish their regular season careers on a high note. And they did, man, that was a blast. And, and, and they had a good crowd backing them up. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, the game was uh, high energy, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, frenetic pace. And, and NCAA women's soccer tends to be uh, a little more frenetic anyway, like just very up and down. It, like I was watching the game on my phone as I'm as I'm sitting at Climate Pledge Arena getting ready to watch the Eagles with my dad. And, uh, you know, it's it just like I felt like I was watching a, a FIFA video game. Like it's just balls back and forth the back and forth. As soon as possession changes, people are charging down the other way. Um, so, you know, lots of energy. Both teams, obviously, you know, it's a rivalry game and both teams, uh, both teams played like it, you know, but the Cougs with their, uh, you know, it, it, with their just quality, 
you know, finishing chances in a way that uh, Washington didn't, you know, the, you, you know, you mentioned the Galazzo, but also, you know, there was a, uh, you know, a fairly, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a super dangerous shot, but, but kind of, but a cross that, that went in that the keeper spilled and then that ends up getting tapped in for the third goal. You know, that's, that's kind of mistake that, you know, a team like Wazoo will punish you for. And then, you know, we said the, the fourth goal, um, had once, once the Cougs hit that third goal, you know, Washington was pushing numbers forward and we had lots and lots of opportunities, uh, coming the other direction. And, um, Sydney Pulver, no, sorry, uh, Studer, uh, Studer made this unbelievable run like this 70 yard run, Yep. Uh, from from her own box all the way to the other box, That's it, and then 80. just yeah, yeah eighty yards. I don't know, man. It was box it was like box. this unbelievable run, um, and nobody nobody from Washington <laughs> stepped up to try and stop her. It was like you know they they sort of half hearted would would sort of be like, hey, slow down, please, and she just went nope, and she just charged all the way through him, and then uh, kind of laid it off for Margie Detrizio, who has, uh, come on very strong in the last couple of weeks, uh, in the absence of Enzi Broussard and, uh, it just, you know, slotted it home, you know, uh, just basically rolling it past the keeper to the far post to make it four one. Uh, I did, I did laugh pretty good when Washington got their, their one goal back. Um, there, it, it was a nice, it was a nice play, uh, you know, kind of, played in a winger and, and she, uh, kind of roofed it from, from, a, a pretty tight angle, nice shot, but also, um, her celebration was funny because like, you know, she kind of did the thing where she takes her hand and like brushes off her shoulders. Like, like you're losing four to two to your rival. Maybe that's yeah, not with the time what, to, there was like five minutes left. Yeah. Maybe that's not the time to brush off your shoulders, but I don't know. I did. It, it did make me laugh. You know, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, pretty awesome, pretty awesome win. Um, you know, these last three games really were, uh, huge. Like you said, they were in the forties before they went to Oregon last weekend. And, you know, they win both those games, you know, more or less at the death on both of them. Uh, and then for here to, to really kind of, um, you know, it's not like they were in control the whole way. I mean, the shots and shots on goal actually weren't that far apart in this game, but, um, they, uh, but they, they put away their chances and, you know, now they're rolling into, uh, rolling into the, the, the tournament and, you know, man, I've, I've said it all along, all year long. I, I think this team is every bit as good as the one two years ago that ran to the college cup. Uh, this team really has it all. There's tons of experience from, uh, players who were on that team. There's about five or six players who played, you know, pretty big minutes for that team two years ago. Um, a few of them were starters on that team. So, uh, this team is experienced and talented and, uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited, extremely excited to see where they go from here. Yeah. Um, I don't know what more you can say. Super hyped for this weekend. Uh, you know, you you of course will be with me at, uh, my daughter's birthday. Yeah. So do we'll do be, we know if Roundtable Pizza has Wi-Fi or? <laughs> uh, if how, not, how are we know, doing this? I got unlimited data, so we're good. Okay, we're good. Right, okay. <laughs> and, iPads uh, around the table. Yeah, so we'll we'll do that, and then we'll watch the Oregon football games. That'll be that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah. Um, so a nice little double header on uh, yeah. on Saturday night for the Cougs. Awesome. Um, yeah. So soccer awesome soccer is what we want our hoops teams to be like i would be over the moon if our hoops teams both of them were regular participants in the ncaa tournament 
and made an occasional run to the final four. That would be, you know, occasional run to the sweet 16. That would be pretty sick, you know, to, to go on the run. I think they've missed the tournament twice in the last 10 years or so. Uh, it's to go on a run like that, be so consistent across coaches. Even, uh, that is what we hope for the hoops teams. And at least this year, there's legitimate hope that we could have both of the teams in the NCAA tournament. So, Jeff, I think uh, what we'll do is look, let's start out by previewing the men's team, and then then we'll get to the women's team. Um, okay. Obviously, like we have a lot more data on the men's team, but so it's, it's kind of yeah. easier for us to do. But I'm just as I've I've actually already seen the women's team play, so yeah, that's fun too. Um, but yeah, so here we are. It's, it's, you know, it's the eve of the first game. By the time anyone listens, to this is going to be the, the game will probably already be played or in process being played. It's at noon on Tuesday. And, uh, it's, it's crazy that it's already here, man. Like we've been looking forward to this since the moment last season ended. And, and, yep. and here, now we are now here we are. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, <laughs> It felt like it was, you know, so, 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 so far away. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, this is tomorrow. And those of you who are listening to it are going to listen to it today. So it's Monday night. It's going to be on Tuesday. Um, it is. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy um, that it's finally here. And, and perhaps even crazier is that, man, we don't even know exactly how, you know, all of this is going to shake out. Earlier today, we got. Uh, Kyle Smith actually revealed his starting lineup for Tuesday night. Um, and it involves uh, freshman sensation Muhammad Gay in the starting lineup because uh, apparently F.A. Abagidi has been dealing with uh, some kind of knee injury, which we, we kind of knew about. Um, and he does have knee. That's that's part of how he ended up at Washington State in the first place was um, suffered a pretty devastating knee injury um, at the at the academy he was at in, in Australia. So uh, I, I'm sure they're they're just being overly cautious and, and you know, just trying to take it easy. I guess he's got a, a minute limit, like 20 minutes or so for the opener. But, um, yeah, pretty wild. The, re- the rest of the lineup, Terrell Roberts and Michael Flowers, um, Noah Williams, and then Deshaun Jackson. No, it wasn't Noah Williams, was it? Hold yeah, on. it was Noah Williams. Yeah, it was yeah. Noah Williams. Okay, there we go. Noah Williams. Yeah, Three Noah yards. Williams and Deshaun Jackson. Sorry, I was second-guessing myself for a sec, so – so yeah, yeah, pretty interesting to see uh, that three guard lineup um, going without a without a true wing. Um, uh, yeah, I yeah, and and I have a feeling we're going to see lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of uh, lineup combinations. Kyle Smith likes to do that early in the year, so uh, yeah. so I wouldn't read too too much into the starting lineup, but um, still cool to see it. Like like we're here, we made it, we're here. Yeah, and and part of the. What what has built the hype is some of the preseason uh, rankings we've been seeing, um, particularly in our advanced stat rankings. You know they, they've 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 been in the on Bart Torvik. Uh, they've been you know in the fifties roughly for much of it. They're sitting at fifty seven right now. On Kempom, they're sitting at sixty three. Now none of those are are guaranteed. Uh, in fact, it's it's very rare that you start at 63. Well, not rare, but it doesn't always happen. If you, the teams that have started at 63 in the last 10 years, which is nine seasons minus 2020, obviously 
uh, twice have went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then uh, the third one is Rutgers in 2020 would have went to the NCAA tournament. So the three out of 10, that's pretty good, like 30%. Yeah. That's um, not too bad. Now, what you don't want to do is end at 63 because no, no team no, has gotten an at large bid. You've had three teams uh, win their conference tournament Vermont, Liberty, and uh, Hawaii in one, in one bid leagues. Hawaii when they were in the Big West. Um, so. Uh, yeah, if you end at sixty three, you're you're not like you're most likely have not been good enough to get you know an NCAA tournament at large bid, yeah. and that's what yep. they're looking at. Like with how the conference is stacked this year, I'm not expecting a team that's going to win the conference, especially how young they are. Um, there's definitely talent on this team that you think in the future they could potentially win the conference, but right now, no. Uh, but but I they do seem to have that talent to make the jump to the NCAA tournament if if everything falls right you know if they get the right wins in there if they have a good non-conference there's not really a lot of wiggle room there um but there there are there's at least they're not playing a bunch of 300 and below teams you know they have some teams near the top 100 uh so that that helps um games they should win but wouldn't be so terrible if they lost you know wouldn't be so damaging if they lost um but really what you know what we've talked to um what, what we've talked about uh in the past and what i'm writing a story about and after i'll finish it after this is that kyle smith generally overperforms expectations and we talk about a coach is good. He's built such a, a reputation as being a good coach, and he's never went to an NCAA tournament. He's never even went to the NIT. Uh, he's went to like some of those pay-for-play tournaments, like College Insider. Um, but he's never went to the NCAA tournament, but he's very highly regarded in his profession. And it's because he overperforms. So, Jeff, you know, what we're looking at now is if they overperform this year above expectation – that will be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, they don't have to overperform by that much <laughs> to get there. Like, um, you know, they, they don't there doesn't have to be a real dramatic rise in order to get into an area where uh, you typically expect an NCAA tournament berth. So, you know, you mentioned starting at 63 in Ken Palm. Uh, you know, if you're in the 40s, uh, that's that's usually a pretty good sign. Um, you know, unless you've got some sort of, you know, you're in the four, sometimes you see teams in the forties with kind of a, you know, a middling type record, you know, that, that obviously doesn't do you a whole lot of good, but, uh, but if you get in the forties with, you know, a decent record, you know, you're, 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 you're pretty much punching your ticket at that point. Um, so, and even the fifties can sometimes get you there depending on, you know, what kind of wins you got and, you know, maybe you have a signature win or something like that, but, um, you know, just to kind of give give a good sense of of how they are looked at this year. So, uh, Ken Palm's predicting nineteen and twelve overall, nineteen and twelve, uh, ten and ten in the conference. So, of course, the the Pac twelve plays twenty games at this point. The regular eighteen game schedule plus, uh, you know, two games. Uh, two games in the what we would consider sort of the non-conference portion. So we play Arizona State and USC, and and I think that's sort of a major reason why I, I know some people feel kind of iffy about the schedule, um, which you alluded to. But you know when you've got those two extra games against USC and Arizona State, like you know I mean that that more or less kind of functions as 
high-level non-conference games, even though they are technically conference games, and even though they count towards the standings and all that, it, it comes at that time of year where um, you know you would potentially be trying to play somebody who was good, and then also um, it's just two more chances playing two teams that um, either will be in or will be contending to be in the tournament. You know, Arizona State is a team that is sort of perpetually uh, seeming to be on that cusp, um, or or just you know barely getting in. Um, they are ranked just above us uh, on Ken Palm 58. You know, so that's a great opportunity to get, especially with an away game. That's going to be a quadrant one type game, right? So, you know, you get that one USC, that's going to be at home again, another uh, quadrant one type game. Those are two opportunities that you get um, based just because of PAC 12 scheduling now that you wouldn't have gotten in years past. And it makes it so that it maybe you don't have to, you know, go out and try and schedule another, you know, high major opponent, um, which is really, as we've learned is really, really tough for WCU to do. So, um, so you've got those two games. Plus, as you mentioned, you know, they've got some, some tougher, uh, you know, mid-major type teams, you know, you've got uh, UC Santa Barbara is, is sneaky good. Uh, Boise state obviously is, is, is pretty good under Leon Rice every year. Um, South Dakota state also sneaky good. New Mexico state is pretty good every year. Um, these are all teams that are ranked between like 80 and 110 in Ken Palm. So, um, tricky games, games we still should win, but also, you know, kind of tricky in the sense that, you know, these are, these are good teams They they don't suck. And, um, so they, they will definitely test us a bit, even if maybe they don't bring, uh, the same name recognition, but yeah, we really do need to not have too many stumbles that that's, that's of course the, the risk that you take, right? Like you can't have, um, you know, high profile stumbles, you know, you can't be losing to like Seattle or Winthrop or something like that. Um, right. you know, in, in your non-conference, if you want to, um, play the game where you don't have opportunities, uh, to get big non-conference wins. Yeah, and and I think it's we have more validity in kind of discussing the Ken Palm numbers and how they relate to getting into the tournament now than maybe in the past because they use net and there's a lot of similarities yep. in yep. net. I mean, they kind of copied it. They just added – they put more emphasis on wins and stuff, which I don't have right. a problem with. Kind of get a win <laughs> um, bonus. Yeah. Um, so it, it just to get a, a little more nerdy here though, Jeff. So, so uh, if you look at – so how does Ken Palm actually rank his team? So what he does is he uses something called adjusted efficiency margin. So he takes your adjusted offensive efficiency, offensive efficiency, sorry, um, which is uh, basically uh, how many points you'd score on a hundred possessions against an average team. And then you, you subtract your, adjusted defensive efficiency, which is how many points you give up in 100 possessions against an average team. So WSU right now is uh, sitting at a plus 13.09 adjusted or efficiency margin. So uh, on average, Kyle Smith, well, one, he's jumped up 30 spots or 20. Uh, he's jumped up uh, 30 spots roughly in Ken Palm on average throughout his career, each if, on an average season, he jumps 30 spots. Um, it's been more so at WSU actually. Um, so, but we, if you look at even dig deeper, look at down the, uh, so 30 spots would be 33. If they're 33, as long as they won the games they're supposed to win, they're going to be in the tournament. 
Uh, yep. that you, you, you'd have to be a really unlucky 33 to be there. Uh, yep. So if 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 you go by his average adjusted adjusted efficiency margin bump of 3.45, you add that to the 1309, so that's 16.54, and you scroll up, that puts him at about 38th. Still very good. So um, we're looking at if if WSU can overperform, and this is 3.4. He's overperformed by more than that at WSU each season. So um, as he's has better and better and better athletes too. Um, So if he can, if, if WSU can improve or or can overperform the same way against these metrics that Kyle Smith usually does, they could be right there, you know, and, and he's done this. He's, he's beaten the predictions in nine of his 11 seasons as a coach and all three of his seasons at WSU by a wide margin. Um, so this is why we are so confident in him. This is, this is what a good coach does. He, he, he gets more out of his team than is expected. And that's why I think that's why Kook fans, even Kook fans that have not dug into this type of data, I think just intrinsically know that Kyle Smith is getting more out of these teams than people expect. Right. Yep. And, and, and this is why he has got this kind of, uh, you know, cult, figure status for a guy that's never even coached an NCAA tournament game because he's just gotten so much out of the teams that he's coached at Columbia and at San Francisco and now WSU. And so that what gets us so hyped um, from a coaching standpoint is, is just how well, and we'll talk about the players too, but from a coaching standpoint, this, you get so hyped because like, we'll talk about the players we have. You have, you have that combined with what this coaching staff can do and man, like this, it, I'm very, very excited. Yep. And just to give a little bit more context for people. Uh, so last year there were, you know, between teams that ranked between 30 and 48. Okay. So that sort of 48 and below. Um, so between 30 and 48, there were only three teams that weren't selected for the tournament. And that was Memphis, which was probably everyone's sort of number one uh, bubble snub uh, last year. So they they were thirty first at twenty eight eight in the American. They ended up not getting in. They were a one seed in the in the NIT. Uh, Duke, which you know was as you mentioned that that was kind of their situation was what kind of what you said, which was uh, this kind of got a little unlucky. Uh, you know, lost, lost some games, lost some close games uh, and everybody wondered what's wrong with Duke. And, you know, maybe Duke's not uh, actually, it wasn't actually that bad. Uh, Penn state, another team like that, they finished 11 and 14. Now their ranking is largely a function of just playing in the big 10, uh, which was, you know, <laughs> kind of crazy last year. Uh, and then Utah finished 44th, although, uh, I am certain that they were not 44th before, before the tournament. So maybe I should have looked well, we, at the pre-tournament rankings, yeah, we, but we weren't uh, so uh, we weren't seventy eighth for tournament either. So, no, uh, no, we were not. So yeah, um, yeah. So WSU was one oh seven before it lost to Arizona State. It was about it was about one. Yeah. It was out around there, and it went up to seventy eight. Utah was probably around the eighty, around eighty or so. It yeah. jumped up to forty four because um, he does rate the the late season performance higher, which, uh, kind of makes sense, especially with the college kids. Uh, yes. we, we see, um, 
you know, the ebbs and flows. Typically, you know, a lot of young teams now, there's more and, and more young short players. Season more and more, too. Yep, short season, there's more transfers that take a while to get kind of ingrained with the team, as we saw with Oregon State last year and all that. Um, but, but yeah, what, uh, let's, but let's talk a little bit about the roster. Obviously we've talked endlessly about this roster throughout the the summer and everything, but Hey, basketball is about to happen. And, uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting roster. You know, there was, you know, it was bummer to lose Kim Aiken, but to get Andre back lessens that blow. And the fact that they still have uh, a rotation that's going to be tough to crack for particularly the wings and the guards, like it's, it's they have, this is the first time in a long time I've looked at a WC roster and thought like in multiple positions, well, if either guy plays, it'll probably be okay. You know, uh, for example, at the three, well, they're going to have Noah play the th- start at the three, which I that's another thing is they, they're going to have some versatility. So they're playing three guards. Noah can also guard, you know, he can guard a lot of positions. So they're playing three guards against Alcorn State, who's a guard heavy team. Uh, so you won't have just getting abused by a speedy guard heavy team uh, by running your bigs out there. So now they can play it. They have the versatility to run that three guard lineup and you still have a bunch of players in there that you feel good about. Um, they have the athleticism, uh, they, at, you know, you have a freshman starting again for the second straight year at like at the, at the four, you know, at the, well, it was FA at the five last year, but this is nuts. I just have these uber athletic guys come in. Uh, but it's, it's it's just such a lineup where because you could see a guy like Ryan Rapp not getting any minutes, but if he does, like he's a very good defensive player, and if he hits some threes, like he's a, an effective player, and and then you got to get Andre Andre Akamovsky. who knows how much he's gonna play, and and who he could have taken a huge step from last year. Um, we we expect DJ Rodman will get time. Uh, you know, so just that wing position, there's a lot of guys that where it, the two, three, I guess, two and three, you have Michael Flowers at the two, you have Tyrell Roberts, you, you know, they can all, they can have interchange at the one and two and all that. So there's a lot of interchangeability, a lot of versatility. And, and what did you, you'd like to come back to all the time, Jeff, uh, Kyle Smith likes these multi-tool six tool guys. And that's what yep. he's got right now. Yep, a whole bunch of guys who can do multiple things, uh, and maybe not, um, you know, specializing in any one thing, but but well-rounded players uh, who can, you know, do do a little bit of everything, and and that allows Smith to you know mix and match a ton, uh, put guys in, pull guys out, and and like I said, you know, there are guys who contributed pretty heavily last year as young guys who might get squeezed out. Ryan Rapp, you know, is a guy like that. Um, you know, and as you try to figure out, okay, where Bamba, are the minutes? Of course, yeah, yeah. TJ Bamba, um, who has bulked up, <laughs> apparently. And looking at pictures of that guy, my goodness, uh, he looks less like a like a strong shooting guard now, as as he does like he looks more like a wing now at the at the size that he is. As somebody who can guard the the three or the four. I don't know if that was uh, at the behest of the coaching staff or if he just uh, took that upon himself. But he looks. 
he looks quite large now. Um, you know, see, think about him. You wonder, you know, where a guy like Jefferson Kulabali fills in and fits in. And, you know, does Miles Rice, you know, true freshman guard, does he fit in anywhere? Um, just a lot of guys with a lot of well-rounded skill sets, but also different strengths. And it's going to be, you know, extremely fascinating to watch as Smith sort of mixes and matches. I do love the fact that they um, start with uh, a, a very soft opponent, right? Alcorn State. Um, frankly, they should, you know, blow them out uh, fairly handily uh, just on athleticism alone. So you've got that. And then you take a little step up with Seattle. Again, another team that that they should beat fairly handily before then. You move into, you know, as we talked about, um, a reasonably decent team in UC Santa Barbara. So, um, you know, it's it's a nice schedule, a nice uh, incremental schedule to to kind of build up, especially as apparently they're they're dealing with, uh, uh, you know, injury issues, and just kind of see how, uh, you know, they kind of push the buttons here and there. It'll probably be a little rocky at first. I'd be honest. Um, you know, I'd I'd be a little surprised if they come, you know, flying right out of the gate and. Uh, just, you know, score, score, score. They might, you know, who knows? Uh, they've got some really, you know, uh, that three guard lineup with Roberts and, and flowers and Noah, man, that is a lot of offense with yep. those three guys. Um, so, so maybe they will come out, you know, and just, just sort of run rough shot over Alcorn state, but also it just, you know, they, with all the mixing and matching, they're probably going to do to kind of get a feel for which lineup combinations give them, uh, what kind of results in terms of, you know, like, you know, what's my best rebounding lineup? What's my best, uh, defensive lineup? What's my, you know what I mean? The, the, what's my best shooting lineup? Those kinds of things. Um, there, there's a chance it gets pretty, uh, it gets, you know, a little, little herky jerky there, but, um, you know, it's, it is going to be super fun to kind of watch this team. You know, we, we all got invested in this team a year ago with them being so young. Um, you know, it's one of the great joys of, of college athletics is watching uh, a team develop, right? Like, you know, seeing them develop, see the players grow, seeing them turn into a unit. Um, you know, you get a few new faces, but, you know, this is almost all the same team from last year, minus Isaac Bonton. Um, so you just, you know, it's 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 exciting and it's fun and it's going to be um, just like a total thrill to watch these guys uh, figure it out. You just hope that, you know, while they're figuring it out that uh, that they don't stub their toe at all and you know that's where you get the uh you know some of the senior leadership with flowers uh terrell roberts isn't a senior he's a junior but still a guy who played a ton uh all-american division two all-american uh, at san diego so uh, you know good player um you know I, between those two guys and noah um you know I, I don't think even though the team is young they played a ton of minutes last year and so i, I just kind of you know, there'll be some inexperienced guys, but, but I think, I think they'll be ready. I really think they'll be ready. And I, and I think that they, uh, um, you know, that, that they, they're going to play with a purpose and, and they want to, they want to do this thing, uh, you know, real bad, real bad. And, you know, you, you kind of look at where you're looking, yeah, they should just beat Alcorn state on athleticism, but also, you know, this is, uh, it, what will give them an advantage in these non-conference games in particular is, this is the most absurdly like good front court like that yes that WSU has had ever I don't, in a long time long like, time it's, long time uh, it's it you know uh, just to have you know, we don't know what what Gay will bring but it, the fact that he's starting his first game yeah they tell you a that's lot that's huge that's uh, crazy. 
I like just they could have put Rodman like, at that four spot. They could, you know, they could have put DeWolf there, yeah, right? DeWolf like we know there. that I know DeWolf's a walk on, but he's a really experienced guy from an Ivy League school. Like smart guy, uh, would have given them, you know, steady minutes. Um, they definitely could have gone that route, and they didn't. Um, so we, you know, we don't want to get too excited, right? We don't want to overhype the hype train for Gabe, but um, you know, giving him a start right out of the gate is. I, whew, it, it's hard not to get well, super excited we, about that. What we know about this staff is you have to earn that yes, start. You have exactly. to play well in practice. They measure everything yep. you do in practice. Yep. Uh, so that tells me he's been working his butt off and that he's showing something in practice. And it's not yep. like he's playing against scrubs. He's playing against Deshaun and F.A. And, uh, you know, DeWolf is a big, strong guy. And, like, it's... That's a guy to bang on, and you know the experienced guys, and um, it's so exciting. You know, we, t- we talk about Gay, but just it's funny they they're limiting FA to twenty minutes. I would hope he wouldn't play more than twenty minutes against Alcorn State if he was fully healthy. To be just honest, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, no I joke. hope he doesn't even. Get I mean, there were plenty minutes. of games last year where yeah. he only played twenty minutes, yeah. anyways. So. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but then honestly, FA, I'm very excited to see him, but. I think the guy that I'm most excited about in the front court to see how he just to see the strides he took late in the season last year and the ceiling he has is Deshaun Jackson. Just uh, I he's gonna brutalize Alcorn State. I think. (laughs) Yes. Alcorn State's biggest guy is six eight. You know, like it's uh, Deshaun Jackson looks even more big and muscular uh, than he did last year when he already as a freshman looked like a full grown man. Um, so it's, uh, he was starting to hit that, those elbow jumpers at the end of the year. Um, I assume he's been working on that, um, that post up game. It could just brings a wrinkle that a lot of teams don't have, uh, the ability to defend, not just block shots, but defend in the post, um, an offensive rebound, like he's just yeah. a great finisher around the rim. Like he's just so exciting. Um, uh, such a, uh, you know, he was when, when he signed these four stars, we were excited. And then when FA had such a big start to the season last year and Deshaun was hurt, they kind of forgot about Deshaun and he, he started really slowly. And then he looked yep. every bit that four star recruit by the end of the year. Yep. And yep. even more so. You know, is he yeah. he he looked like one of the top freshmen in the league last year, and yep. and now he's coming in. He's got so much experience from last year. Played so many minutes. He knows what he has to do. He, he you know he played his best games against the best bigs. Guys that are in the NBA now, and and so it's 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 very exciting. I'm so excited to see what Deshaun's going to do this year. I think he's going to be quite a focal point as well. Yeah, when you watch what Evan Mobley's doing in the NBA, exactly, and see what Deshaun did against that guy, like um, it's yeah, he looks leaner, he looks uh, stronger, and his neck he already is like had, three feet wide, I think. I know uh, he already had great footwork. Obviously, that was something we praised a whole lot last year is his ability to, uh, you know, essentially control his body, right? Which is a thing that typically when we get, uh, you know, young big men 
and are, you know, kind of trying to figure out, okay, you know, how do we develop them? How do we get them to grow? Typically we get, you know, the guys who are, you know, maybe a little awkward still kind of growing into their body, still kind of trying to figure that out. You know, that was not the case with Jackson. He just honestly was a little out of shape from, from being hurt at the beginning of the year and, um, never quite was in, you know, college basketball level shape, uh, last year. Well, that, that does not appear to be the case anymore. (laughs) He's, uh, he is, he is lean. He is strong. Um, and I am, I am excited to watch him just absolutely wreck people. Um, I'm also super curious about, you know, what facets he's added to his game. Like you talked about how he started flashing that jumper. Um, you know, is that something that is part of his game? Um, or is he, you know, strictly a post-up guy? Is he, is he a post-up guy that you can run the offense through? Um, he didn't really look like a great passer last year. Um, but you know, some of that may have just been, uh, you know, necessity really like yeah, it wasn't don't pass the ball, I, take it to the rim. Yeah. Dude. I mean, like, yeah, yeah it, that's exactly right. Like we don't know what he was being asked to do specifically. Um, you know, there were times where he started to get a little iffy with the ball, um, went once teams started recognizing him as a legit threat. Um, but he started adding little wrinkles, even as the season was going along where he would, you know, sort of like you'd see the double team come and he kind of dribble out of pressure in order to release the ball. Um, obviously, the next step for him is, OK, so pressure comes. Where's it coming from? Make a pass that's going to make the team pay yeah. for their pressure. Um, Especially that, that with is the shooters that they've added to the team. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, I, you know, he seems like you're just looking at his body transformation, uh, looking at the way his game evolved, even just on the fly last year. Um, everything we've heard about him is that he is a hard, hard working kid who wants to be really, really, really good. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see the ways in which his game has developed. If, you know, again, if he's added sort of that, that ability to pass out of the double team, um, and, and make and punish a team for sending a double team versus just, you know, releasing a little pressure and then reposting. So, um, very, very curious, very, very curious to see, see how that goes. And like you said, uh, you know, when you've got Roberts and Flowers and Williams, um, those are three absolutely legit, legit three point shooters, um, spreading the floor. It's very exciting. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to talk about um, probably the two most famous players on the team, right? The, uh, yeah. So Noah and F.A. Let's start with Noah. You just mentioned Noah. That it's that it's just play that back in your mind. Think about what you just said. Think about Noah's freshman year, what hit, what that jump shot looked like. And, yep. And now he is a legit three-point shooter. Just shows the work ethic this kid has and how badly he wants to be good. And then he has games like Stanford and Cal and, and just where he takes over games offensively, tears my Achilles, you know, like he's, he's just, uh, (laughs) he became when he was called upon when Bontom was injured, he actually did something that CJ was not able to do last year, the year before was just take over games. Ellaby struggled to do that. And Ellaby's in the NBA now. But Noah just has has that mindset and he has that skill set because you know because his ball handling ability really and his quickness off the you know that first bounce quickness and stuff um, just has that ability to be a go to scorer and you couple him with Flowers who can also do that you know and then um, but that that'll take maybe take some pressure off him having a couple more shooters on the floor uh, like you know Roberts and Flowers. Uh, and then also, I think I, I expect you know improvement from guys on, 
you know, some of the young guys in that regard too. Um, what do you expect from him? Do you, do you expect a, a, another jump or maybe it's just, uh, maybe not being such the focal point as, that he was last year. We'll just, you will see some efficiency gains through that. Yeah. So speaking of things that I'm super curious about, I am really curious um, about how the usage is divvied up on this team this year. Uh, you know, if, if Noah steps into that primary scorer role um, where he's, you know, leading the team in usage while he's on the floor um, because I'm not exactly sure how this goes, you know, like uh, Michael flowers uh, seem w- was a guy who's been, you know, the highest uses guy everywhere he's been. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of assumed that he would at first when, when he announced his transfer, I kind of assumed he would step right into that Bonton role as the, the high volume, uh, high efficiency offensive player, but, uh, but maybe not, you know, maybe some of this shakes out. I, I know that Terrell Roberts was a super high usage guy. Again, that was D two, but also, you know, th- this, is a guy who has been a primary scorer in the past. So y- you've got these guys who, where you've got Roberts who has been a primary scorer. You've got flowers who has been a primary scorer. Both those guys have been primary scorers where they were. Um, then you've got Noah who would, you know, typically project to be your, uh, you know, your, your highest volume shooter yeah, here. He was 26% I mean, we, usage, 28% shots. Last yeah. Time, so, yeah. I mean, Torvik, Torvik projects him to be, you know, the highest usage guy on the team. So, um, will he be, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I, Bryce Hendricks, who, who did the, those awesome offensive defense previews for our site last week, um, you kind of talked about how Noah's defense seemed to suffer just a little, uh, you know, when he when he turned when he became a higher usage offensive player. So um, in those games where he was carrying the load offensively, um, wasn't as much of a defensive force as we have gotten used Which to. And, not, and that makes sense. Not right? unique to Noah. That's a, that's totally that's happens to everyone. That's that's everybody. Right. So it's, um, you know, the more energy you're expending on the offensive end, you know, the less energy you have for defense. And, and they were, you know, moving him off the ball a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to be, um, a high usage scorer and also a primary defender, um, you know, with the, with the kind of assignment that takes a lot of effort. So you just don't see very many guys like that. You know, Michael Jordan is a guy who did that, uh, back in the day. It's, it's, it's a hard, hard thing to do. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm again, curious to see if maybe they try to dial back some of his offensive usage to get the most out of him on defense. Um, you know, where he, you know, would, would really need to change his game if he's is going to be that um, high usage scorer, you know, and, and truly be efficient um, as a high volume guy is uh, he just, you know, his his ability to drive, I think, needs to get a little bit uh, more diversified. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to be able to take people off the bounce going either direction with either hand. Um, I think those are those are kind of big things, even if he can just at least um, go to the opposite hand and pull up for a jumper. Like if, if he can at least do that, if he can go to his left and stop and pop, um, you know, just use his left to even get just a little bit of space. Um, I think that even makes kind of a world of difference. But I mean, I'm not putting anything past the guy. I mean, a year ago, you and I sat here and we went, yeah, well, you know, you're not going to get much offense from no. I mean, actually, if he develops a decent three point shot, that's kind of a game changer. But, you know, he was so bad. I mean, nobody's expecting that. And then, and then shot 124 right? threes last yeah. year. And then he did it. I mean, he, he shot five times as many threes as he shot or four or five times as many threes as he shot as a freshman and made, you know, whatever, 35 or 40% of them. 38%. So, uh, 
Yeah, so it's, I just, I mean, I, I wouldn't put anything past the guy at all. Again, I think he's another guy who wants to be great. Um, so I'm, again, curious to see what, what he has added to his game. Um, you know, I, I'm also curious to see him physically. You know, Kyle Smith mentioned that he seems to have developed a little bit more physically, a little bit more broad shoulder. Um, you know, if you look at his dad, his dad's not a, not a, not a stick, right? His dad, his dad's kind of a broad shoulder dude. So um, hopefully he's grown into that. And, and if he does do that, um, you know, then maybe he can actually maybe carry a little bit more load on offense and on defense, um, just by the virtue of being a little bit stronger. So, well, yeah, and I that's, hope that's kind of what I'm looking for on that, him. That strength, I hope he can attack the rim a little bit better. He's, yes. he's kind of more of a yes. sneaky finisher at the rim yep. to where yep. he can maybe draw some more fouls. That's where he could be more effective, get some points the easy way because uh, he's turned into a very good free throw shooter. So if he yep. if he can. If he can jump, bump that free throw rate into the 40s, you know, then he becomes that true kind of number one scorer yep. type guy. And uh, the honest truth yeah. is, if he can do that, that's that's not that's not like a huge change in his game. No, and that's not something that requires a whole bunch more shots. That just requires being a little more effective with the drives that you have, and all of a sudden your efficiency, you know, shoots way up. You get three, four extra points a game just from the free throw line. That's a pretty massive difference. Absolutely. Um, very excited for him. So F.A., obviously coming off a knock on the knee. Um, the fact that he's still playing 20 minutes tells you he's probably pretty much all the way back at this point. Uh, he yeah. didn't compete in the dunk competition. Uh, maybe that was just so other people had a chance, although Muhammad Gay looked pretty awesome doing the between the legs uh, with, pretty, with one dribble from the three-point line. Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess it helps when you're seven foot tall and have a wingspan of like 40 feet. And I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so FA, he definitely uh, tapered off a bit towards the end of the season. Um, kind of got figured out, I think, offensively a little bit. Uh, the three pointer left him late in the year. So what, we know what he brings defensively, uh, the rebounding, the rim protection, the shot blocking. Uh, what, what about offensively? And does he need to be, uh, like, what is, what do we need from him offensively? Cause if you have Deshaun taking the step that he has and Noah Williams, uh, even if he just improves a little bit, if you have Michael flowers and Tyrell Roberts who are taking more scoring load, uh, what do we even need from F.A.? Yeah, that is honestly, that's a great question. <laughs> and I'm not sure I know the answer to that one. Um, you know, we can talk about all these things that we'd like to have from him, right? Like we'd like to have that three point shooting be uh, reasonably decent. Uh, and not tail off the way that it tailed off as the year went on. Uh, we could say that we would, you know, like for him to be able to, you know, maybe put the ball on the floor or face up um, and just take someone one-on-one -on -one off the dribble. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I had my, um, if, if, if I had my druthers, right. If it, if it was the, like, like what would I most want? I think that is what I would most want. I would want him to put the ball on the floor, be able to face up, um, and take people, you know, one, two bounce and then dunk on someone. Um, yes. I think that's that the most would important be, thing. We want him to yeah. dunk on people, just yes. lots of dunking on people. Yep. 
that would be the thing that I would want that I would be looking for. Um, you know, yeah, a three point shot would be nice. Uh, but what you really, I think what you really want is for someone to play to their, to their strengths. Um, and you know, last year it was just, it was really obvious at times that he was just a really inexperienced basketball player. Um, you know, and that's not a, that's not a knock. That's not a slam. That's just like, I mean, it's a guy who missed a ton of time at that academy that he was at because of injury. Um, didn't play a ton of games. Didn't play a ton of minutes. Um, you know, again, really hardworking kid. Uh, you know, has a nice sort of innate feel for the game. But also, there were times where you could see, you know, teams were doing things to take him, take him away, and take him out. And um, you know, he he adjusted a little as the year went on. But um, you know, I think I just guess that the hope is that you know, here we are a year later. Uh, a little more physically mature, uh, a little more, especially mentally mature as a basketball player. You know, maybe he's just, you know, been able to play. Uh, he had that, uh, he went and, you know, had a camp for Nigeria, right? Trying out for their Olympic team. Uh, obviously didn't make it, but, uh, but all of that, you know, helps. And all of that makes him hopefully a stronger, more experienced player. Um, so I guess, honestly, what I'd be looking for is just a little more basketball savvy, from him, uh, both offensively and defensively, positioning-wise, uh, recognizing opportunities that are there for him, and not maybe relying just solely on his athleticism, because if he gets to a point where he's not just relying solely on his athleticism, uh, he can be an absolutely devastating player. Um, so that, and then of course the the offensive rebounding, I think is going to be huge. Um, I think that's they. I think they really found something there last season with the offensive rebounding, um, and I I'd be shocked if they went away from that. Uh, this year, I, I would imagine that would be a staple of their offense, and he obviously can contribute uh, a ton to that as well. Yeah, and and if FA takes a step forward on offense, that just makes this offense so much more dangerous. Like if if Deshaun is improved, it, if, you know, if if he adds something, if FA adds something, if Noah adds something, it, you know, if, if we got the three point shooting from Flowers and Roberts and Rodman and Yakimovsky and uh, and, and anyone else you can bring in, uh, we haven't even, you know, we barely mentioned Jefferson Koulibaly. He's like this wild card that could end up being a guy that plays a lot of minutes. We don't even know. Like there's just so many guys in this team that if they just add something, if they bring something more, they could take, there's just so many players that can do that. You know, a lot of times you have like, you're just hoping that you're, amazing player gets more amazing and brings up but here it's like we don't need Noah to become uh the best player in the Pac-12 to be good yeah. we just need Noah yep. to be a little bit better we just need FA to maybe hit 40 percent on his threes instead of 27 percent which with how open he's as are that's just the exp yep. you know and you know it, it, it may be FA and, and then let's now which we could talk about too, what the entire, you know, when we look at from the entire team perspective, what needs to improve to go from that 14 and 12, 14 and 13, seven and 12, right. You know, like the seven and 12 conference record to maybe getting to 10 and 10 or 11 and nine or 12 and eight, like against a, a tough league, what needs to improve, what needs to hold, but my my number one thing that needs to improve, and I I know Kyle Smith agrees with this, is they need to take care of the ball. And yep. And with this roster that he's put together, and what, do you do you see a team that can take care of the ball more 
than they did last year when they were 304th in turnover rate. That's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so bad. Uh, and I do. I do. I think this is a team that can take care of the ball. I think, you know, you put a, that lineup out there of, you know, Roberts and Flowers and Noah, and that is – uh, that's a recipe for taking care of the ball. Like it's, uh, you know, I, w- I once heard Flowers described by somebody as a less crazy version of Isaac Bonton. You know, like just like, you know, similar kind of style, but uh, maybe a little less risky, takes care of the ball a little bit better. Um, you know, th- those kinds of things will all, uh, you know, make a huge difference with, with that. You know, again, you're still going to be young you know, in spots. Um, but you, you would hope that, you know, the turnover rate, you know, drops just based on experience, right. That, um, guys who really struggled with turnovers last year, uh, you know, maybe they, they get better just be just by being a year older, um, you know, kind of looking at, you know, Andre Yakimovsky who got better as the year went along and he played, you know, really the most minutes, um, of any freshman not named Abigidi, right? So, uh, played a ton of minutes. His, his turnovers got better as the year went on TJ Bamba, lots of turnovers in limited minutes, but so many of his turnovers were like, uh, traveling, right? Yeah. Like, like his, he would shuffle his feet cause he'd get put excited before deck, he got the ball, the ball, right. The before he put the ball in the deck or he'd step on a sideline or something like, like his turnovers just seemed like, you know, again, turnovers of inexperience, um, you know, our bigs were actually pretty decent at taking care of the ball, um, which is, uh, you know, a little bit actually unusual in the sense that, you know, you get, I, I know that bigs typically take care of the ball better than, than guards do, but, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you take two young big guys, one guy who hasn't played FA uh, a whole lot, you know, you just maybe might expect it to be kind of bad and they weren't terrible either. So, um, you know, you just kind of hope that, you know, a little more experience, get a couple more capable ball handlers on the court, you know, not necessarily relying on Isaac Ponton to dominate the ball in the way that he did last year. And, you know, hopefully that number gets a lot better. Um, the other thing that was that, that kind of fe- fed into that turnover percentage was offensive fouls. Um, that was a big, big, big part of it was lots and lots and lots and lots of offensive fouls. Um, I don't, you know, some of that, I, I think, you know, may, may have something to do with, just the way that the Pac-12 yeah, is officiated. They were, were 308th in non-steal turnovers, yeah. which yep. are throwing the ball away and, and offensive fouls, yep. basically. Yep. So, uh, you know, again, maybe that gets a little better by having some players who are a little more experienced, a little more in control. Um, you know, and, and as you mentioned, you know, the reason why that's the number one priority is just because, man, if you, if you just have fewer empty possessions, your offensive efficiency is going to skyrocket. Like, like if they just become a mediocre team at taking care of the ball, um, I don't know precisely what that's going to be worth, but last year they were, you know, 167 in offensive efficiency. Um, you know, you add in, you know, you just sort of become mediocre. You know I mean? I could see that jumping up, uh, you know, I don't know, 50 spots, just, just becoming average in giving the ball away. Cause those just, those aren't zero possessions with as good as the team is at offensive rebounding. If you just get a shot up, you know, good things can happen. Even if you don't make the shot, you know, you can maybe get an offensive rebound, maybe get a put back, maybe, you know, recycle possession, whatever. Um, you know, the fact that they were as good as they were offensively, even with all those turnovers was a real testament to their offensive rebounding and their free throw shooting. And, you know, it'd be awesome if we could have those two things and also not give the ball away on, uh, you know, 21 and a half percent of the possessions. Yeah. And, you mentioned Yakimovsky earlier. 
Yep. So he ties in directly to the other thing that WSU needs to get better at, and that's finishing inside, two-point shooting. One, one thing I think not having a, a guy that's, you know, where Bonton took a lot of, uh, like, 15-footers, contested 17-footers and stuff like that, uh, that that hurt it. But also we had some guys that just weren't finishing well inside last year. Even Deshaun could tick up, you know, they, they were 303rd in, in two-point percentage. Deshaun could tick his up 48%. A guy his size, I would expect to be 55%, honestly. Uh, and you, you're losing Koontz, who is one of your better finishers inside, uh, you know, obviously off of offensive rebounds, a lot of all that. But still, it's a guy that finished. Vova, you know, he he when he got his opportunities, finished. Although taking him out of the equation kind of helps turnovers a bit, although he didn't play a ton. But um yeah they really you know and noah we talked about the strength of noah hopefully he can finish inside better yakimovsky this there's no room to go but up uh you know so and if if they can you know just make make the the layups more like bump that up a couple percentage points and then bump the ter- percentage turnover percentage down a couple percentage points you could you can have your top 100 offense and because because we know and what we need to hold steady is that defense. Now Kempom predicts them to take a step back and be fiftieth in defense after they were twenty fourth last year. Um, but yeah, I guess that's due to losing Bonton steal percentage. I guess yeah, I like try so, and figure out where that defensive uh, yeah. efficiency would take a step back, but you know. I guess I guess you lose a little a, a little bit. I of mean, Bonton was a good. He, he, Anton was a good uh, on ball. Bonton was a good on ball defender. Um, yes, but obviously that's not baked into what Anton yes. was looking at. But exactly. what they did really well was they forced tough shots and they cleaned the glass. Yep. That's that. Yep. Though they didn't do a whole lot else good. They didn't force a lot of turnovers. You know, they like they they did keep teams off the line, but they. They defended shots. They they made teams take tough shots, and they clean the glass. And if they just do that again, they should have a very good. And I think they can. Uh, they yep. have a very long team. You know, it's going to be very tough to score inside on them. Uh, if if they again, they limited three pointers very well last year. Don't let teams go off from three. That's that's key. And just have that good defense. Have a top thirty defense again. If you compare that with the top 100 offense by making slight improvements in turnovers and slight improvements in shooting, then then suddenly you have that team that we're hoping for. You have that t- that yep. team that that can make a push for the tournament. What's interesting to me is how they build their identity defensively. Um, you know, you mentioned last year they were the things that they were good at were uh, defensive rebounding and forcing tough shots. Uh, you know, they had some pretty extreme suppression of opponents three-point attempts which is something we talk about a lot that you know the only way to really the only way to influence a team's three-point percentage is to or or their three-point shooting is to just not let them shoot them right so you you chase them off the line etc um you know when i look at this starting lineup for tuesday's game uh that that's just frankly not as long of a lineup as we fielded most of the time last year where Bonton at six, three was our shortest guy. 
And then we were going, you know, 6'5", Williams, uh, 6'8", Yakimovsky, 6'10", F.A., 6'11", you know, Deshaun. Like, you were you were running 6'3", and taller everywhere on the floor, which makes it much, much easier, right, to chase people off the line. Okay, now you're running out in tomorrow's starting lineup, you're running out you know, five foot 11 Terrell Roberts and six foot, what is he? Six one, right? Michael flowers. I think he's six one. Uh, yeah, yeah six one. Okay. So you're running out six one Michael flowers and then six five Noah Williams. So you're uh, at your three. So you're, you're giving up a lot of height there and that makes it tougher, right? To, to challenge shots on the perimeter. If you're, you know, if you're shooting over someone who's five eleven, that's a lot easier than shooting over someone who's six, eight. Right. So, um, so I, I'm I'm curious to see if if they maybe shift their philosophy a little bit to become a little more uh, turnover dependent, which is what they were that first year, right? So that first year under under Smith, they were trying to figure out, okay, how can we how can we get stops, right? So they go, you know, they they know they they're playing Jeff Pollard at center. They've got no rim protection whatsoever. So what do we do? Right. What do we do? We we go all in on steals and try to force as many steals as possible, try to get some transition buckets. I, the part of that was, you know, knowing that their offense was uh, a little bit of a struggle and they, they really, really went um, all in on trying to force turnovers. Uh, they went away from that last year because they didn't need to. Right. Like they were longer. They were more athletic. They had some rim protection, uh, actually quite a bit of rim protection. <laughs> like there really was no reason to do that. It was a much uh, it was a very sound defense uh, in terms of what you know coaches like to do right funnel a guy to the middle let your shot blockers protect the rim great do they do that this year you know how do they cope with the fact that they are rather small on the perimeter but also really big on the interior Um, so I I'm I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how they how they go about that and if um, they're able to do that in terms of like you know when we think about are they going to take a step back you know, maybe, maybe that's where it comes from. You know, maybe the three point defense, maybe they're sacrificing some of that three point defense in order to gain some offense, uh, with guys like Roberts and flowers. So, uh, very curious, very interested to see, um, as far as, by the way, the one thing I'm looking for, so you're looking for turnovers. I I just want them to make more layups. Like that's just, that's, (laughs) that's, that, that's my, that, that's what I'm looking for, man. No, geez, for, for the love of God, man. Uh, can we make more layups? Can we not miss so many layups? Um, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't look back on last year as anything other than a very odd statistical anomaly when it comes to that, because we missed more open layups than I've ever seen a team miss in my life. And, uh, and I'm hoping that, that some like mega regression is on its way for that one. Cause if you, if you turn the ball over less and just make some more layups, um, it is really, really not hard to see. Um, a path to a, a top hundred, top seventy-five, top offense, um, and then again, you you know, you pair that with a top twenty, top thirty type defense, and and you are you are cruising toward the tournament. All right, we're well over an hour deep into this, but yes, we um, are. But quickly, <laughs> the most difficult thing. Um, let's get your. What do you expect to happen? Your prediction on what will happen this season? Tournament, baby. I think we're in the tournament. I think we're heading there. I think that's where we're going. I think Kyle Smith, uh, you know, as you you said multiple times, uh, his teams overperform. Um, this team has has everything I think it needs uh, to get into the tournament. In fact, I don't think it's even. Uh, I don't even think it's even like they're they're that much of a bubble. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict them as like an eight, nine, ten seed somewhere in there, um, comfortably in the NCAA tournament, and we are partying 
all the way to, I don't know, Sacramento or wherever the regional is this year. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Um, I, I think they they end up, uh, you know, a top 40, top 45 Kempom team. And they, uh, they again, yeah, I was thinking the 8 through 10 type seed. You know, hope it's a 7 or a 10, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think they can fall under those lines. There's just so much upside and not all of it has to hit for them to be good. Yeah. So that's exactly that, right. That, that's 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 what I look for is if 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 they just make like basic improvements here or there, then then they're that then they're the team that they need to be to get to the tournament. They're gonna have a lot of tough games. There's gonna be a lot of fifty fifty games. So uh, they're gonna have to. And honestly, what makes me feel better is I think that Kyle Smith is a better coach than a lot of those other coaches. So. Um, yep. Win those 50-50 because he's beaten some of these teams when they weren't 50-50 games. So now that he's got the squad, let's let's see what he could do. Um, so, yep. yeah, expectation for me is the tournament as well. So let's go. Uh, yeah. On that let's note, do it. Let's, uh, let's take a break and we'll come back. We'll, we'll preview the, the women's hoops team as well. back all right jeff well i have to ask you you yes. made it you did it you went there you went to pretty Fair i made Beer the pilgrimage Ellensburg. you made I the period to, to the coog run coog owed pretty fair beer craft beer yes. bar in ellensburg and what did you think well i met tyler that was the first thing that was super awesome getting to getting to hang out with Tyler and talk to him a little bit. Um, the the first thing, well, after after that, uh, the next thing I know is, man, that is a cool location and a really cool building. Um, yeah, that was kind of what struck me, right? Um, it turns out that's a really I, I did not know this before I went there, but uh, it, it's a historic building in downtown Ellensburg. So uh, very very cool, uh, super neat place, uh, great beers. Um, we hung out. I had a beer. I had a, uh, I believe, a varietal uh, IPA of some variety that was was super tasty. Um, and we ordered ordered some nachos for for everyone at the table. Um, got so we had some nachos. Got some pulled pork on one of them. You know, because you had mentioned the the pulled pork was was good. So we got pulled pork on one of them. Got chicken on the other. So I had some nachos. Uh, I had a little beer, a little bit of beer. The kids had some soda. Right. Because now it's, uh, you know, they, they got their restaurant license. So uh, underage people can go in there and uh, and then, you know, got got some time to, you know, just shoot the shit with Tyler for a few minutes talking about, you know, what they're doing over there with Pretty Fair Beer and and what they want to what they want to accomplish. And it's super exciting. And then I picked up picked up a few fresh hot pints to go, took them with me. And, and in fact, that's 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 what I'm having tonight as one of those guys. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I'm glad you could experience it. Um, it's like, 
I'm just genuinely happy to have them as a sponsor because like it could not be any better for us. You have a Kugo and craft beer bar with some true craft beer nerds running the bar and just like going out and seeking like, would you ever expect to see such a tap list in Ellensburg? I wouldn't, um, you know, and, and, and it, just the stuff they have, it, it's excellent. Um, I, I'm already kind of just looking, trying to guess what you're drinking tonight now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I did tweet a picture of it. Oh, well, I haven't looked at Twitter. I've been, I've been talking <laughs> hoops. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and honestly, it's just awesome that it's Cougs. You go in there, yes. you know, you're spending money and it's, it's a Coug. It's Cougs that are getting that money and they're using it to go to homecoming and have a good time. You know, that's, that's what you want to, that's what you want to hear. Uh, so yeah, super cool. I'm glad you got to check it out, man. I've been there a few times now. Um, yeah, might might try to check it out again uh, next uh, the Saturday after the Arizona game. I might try to try to yep. stop on the way home. Um, but yeah, and oh by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Thursday and and go to that Idaho WSU game yes. in the in the, yes. in, in the in the in the mini Kibby Dome. I don't know whatever they're calling. I love it. Um, but but anyway, so pretty fair beer, uh, downtown Ellensburg. Uh, Jeff and I have both been now there now had great experiences could not yes. feel better about like pimping them every week now now that we've been there we've seen they're legit yeah. they got good beer uh, good people running it they're cougs yep. uh, and they're proudly cougs uh, you can go there watch the Oregon game this weekend uh, if you're if you're into Central Washington or if you just want to be like Jeff and go for a weekend, a little, little overnight <laughs> at Ellensburg. Yeah. Not that, not that people typically think of Ellensburg as, as a destination, but we did. It was fun. We had a good time. So yeah, check it out. If you're in Ellensburg, pretty fair beer, downtown Ellensburg, a very cool building. Just a downtown Ellensburg is really cool. Little, like it's, it's a lot more. If you haven't been down there, it's a lot more than you would probably think it is. Um, yeah. And, Pretty fair beer just has added to that, and uh, I love it. Proudly Coug owned, Coug yep. run. So Jeff, what's your pretty fair beer, beer that you got from Pretty Fair Beer of yes. the day? My pretty fair beer, beer of the day from Pretty Fair Beer is uh, I got the Stoop Fresh Hop Fiend, uh, uh, yes. which oh. I I had not had this season. One of my favorites. Uh, I had I last year. I haven't had it either. I love that one. I yeah, haven't seen yeah. it. Yes. And so this one was the, uh, so uh, apparently they, they change up the hop variety on it uh, fairly regularly. Um, they, and they do a different two or three, I, I guess, like different, uh, different varieties uh, each season. So this is the HBC 586 Peralt version. Uh, I don't know what any of that means. I'm that, sure that, that means do. it's a new hop that hasn't been named yet. There you go. So new hop that hasn't been named yet. HBC uh, five eight about, six. So yeah, Peralt five eight six. HBC five eight six is a uh, oh from Peralt Farms. Yeah. So it, there that, we go. That'd be a the experimental hop. I'm looking it up for you now, Jeff. Okay. It is canned about a month ago. Tastes delicious. Glad I bought it. I'm glad they had it. Um, they didn't have last time I was at Rainier Growlers. They didn't have any Stoop Fresh Hops. So uh, very excited. I've got another Stoop Fresh Hop in the fridge and another Fresh Hop. I can't remember Matchless. I think uh, that I got. I was very excited. They they had a, a superior, pretty fair beer. Had a superior selection of Fresh Hops there for me to take with me. So 
um, yeah, I was very, very excited about that. And as I was telling Tyler, by the way, um, man, we just, we love, uh, supporting our local craft, <laughs> craft beer tap rooms, man. Uh, there just aren't that many of them. And so, you know, finding places like that, that, and, and trying to, trying to help them be awesome, uh, is, is, is a total worthy goal. Cause I, you know, as I was telling him, you know, I got Rainier growlers around here, which I absolutely love. And I'm like, man, if they ever went away, you know, <laughs> I'd have to go to Tacoma to get, to get good beer like that. So, um, so I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, all in and, on, on supporting places like that and places like that versus, you know, I, I think there's been a rise in going to brewery tap rooms and all that, which is just fine. That, that's cool too. Like it's, it's yep. cool that breweries can make money that way. But, yep. um, I, I see a lot of people that are just always like, Oh, I want to go to breweries, go to every brewery. But I highly recommend, like, if you're doing that also check out, like, I love my preference is typically when I go to a new city is to go find the best craft beer bar there because they're going to have a representation of breweries from all over the area and, and you know, the, the best of the best versus going to a brewery and then trying like six of their beers or whatever, which is also cool. But, uh, but I, I love, you know, I love a, I love a craft beer bar. You know, I have, I have multiple just around me in Tacoma and I, I just love going there and being able to sample things for different breweries, taking some home, all that. It's a, it's a lovely format. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I hope people, you know, give some of your, uh, your beer money to those too. Cause it's pretty fun. Yep. Uh, they usually yep. can serve food, which is a lot of breweries can't, don't have like restaurant license, things like that. Some do, uh, you know, and, but, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. So, um, my uh, so i you know you know how i like to do my theme beers um yeah so uh i i went with you know i was digging through just looking at names looking at names and what i pulled out you know because we're previewing our hoops teams today who have big dreams of ncaa tournaments and and, and big seasons and, and uh like the most expectations i've ever had so this beer is called dreams from structures brewing in bellingham um which is often you know structures is frequently featured at pretty fair beer um yep. they uh get that beer f all the way from bellingham um and they're like there's not many places they may be the only place in eastern you know east of the mountains that actually get structures um this is an imperial blend of imperial stout conditioned on coconut salt and caramel from our friends at pure bliss which i assume is a place in bellingham that makes caramel or caramel uh it's brewed with our friends at bottle works and full throttle bottles which speaking of you know tap room bottle shops two of my favorites in seattle uh love those love those places um uh so yeah this is a great beer very tasty tastes like what you would think it's a sweet big sweet stout um, it's, you know, at this point, I, I think I've had this for like almost a year. So it's kind of lost, probably lost some of its edge, but still like a lot of the, a lot of the flavors are still in there, particularly the, the, uh, the coconut is, is pretty going pretty strong. Um, so very tasty, big beer. I, it's a 20, it's a 750 milliliter bottle. So 25.9 ounces. I think I gave about six to Amanda and Chris. I gave them little, uh, that's, uh, Amanda's brother, Chris. Yeah, the little tastings, uh, but I, I wanted to have most of it for this, and so I could be nice and salty by the end. Uh, salted caramel, in fact. Uh, so very good structures brewing. Uh, that my pretty fair beer, beer of the day, pretty fair beer, Ellensburg. Check it out, 
run by Cougs. You got to do it. Hell yeah. So, Jeff. Yes. Let's switch gears to a team that surprised everyone. Maybe other than maybe not maybe themselves. I don't know. Uh, by going to the NCAA <laughs> tournament for the first time since. Wait, 19. do you do you think they did actually surprise themselves? Maybe a little. I think there's yeah. a pretty high likelihood yeah. that they did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the WC women's hoops team obviously went to the tournament last year. Only the second time ever. First time since 1991. Uh, I when I was in school, our hoops teams were not good and they have been not good for a long time. They were, they were passable with June Doherty, you know, NIT and stuff. But now this, this is the first time I've I've ever been really hyped for a WC women's hoops team. And, uh, it's because they're returning pretty much everyone, including, they're kind of all-world player, Charlize Ledger-Walker, who, as a freshman, was incredible and still has a lot of room for improvement, which is very exciting. Um, so, and this team, you know, obviously they, they get uh, Charlize's sister back on the super senior year, Crystal. That helps with the guard, Deb. And, and, and you know, I'm hoping she doesn't have to take quite as big of a role in the offense as far as shooting this year because – I'm hoping for improvements from uh, Johanna Tadere, Lula Matuga, Bella, Bella Margaretete, uh, you know, Michaela Jones, Grace Sarver, players like that. Improve their offensive game, t- take a little. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Tara Wallach, the, the freshman, who I think is going to play a lot of minutes, uh, could really be a game changer. But, Jeff, what's it like to, like, is this the most players you've ever known the name of on a WC women's hoop team? And it's the first oh, time you've yeah. ever had any <laughs> expectation for a WC Women's Hoop team for a season because they just were so <laughs> fun last year. You couldn't help yes. but watch them. Yes and yes. Uh, and, 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 here, and, and, yes and let me say this. like This is – that may have sounded like super sexist, and I realize it probably did. But really, I, it's just yeah. because this, this program has been so bad for so – like it has been so kind of irrelevant for a long time that yeah. there wasn't – you know, even if I was less interested in women's hoops than men's hoops, which I was, I'm definitely more interested in women's hoops than I've ever been in my life. But but still, but they're a big part of it, honestly. But but they still didn't give us a lot of reason to pay close yes. to, particularly when I was in school, when they would lose every game by 40 points. But like it was, but this is ser- like I I went to that game that that exhibition game a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like, I know every player on this team, and I know what they do, and I'm so excited. Yeah to watch them do what they do. Yep. You know, for me, it's a little, little from column a, a little from column B where it's like, okay, yes, some of it was, I just really didn't pay that much attention, uh, to women's sports. Um, I never, WC women's basketball is not a sport I ever covered when I was in school, when I was working at the, at the daily evergreen. Um, and then they were always bad. Um, now they were, okay when i was in school they were not that far removed from their ncaa tournament appearance um under harold Rhodes, um they had a really really excellent player whose name completely escapes me right now (laughs) um so now i'm feeling very silly for not remembering her name but uh really really excellent really really excellent player um team was was sort of mediocre and then you know sliding off and harold Rhodes uh was the coach and he he eventually got fired i think uh 
right before I think I graduated. So, um, and then, and then began the, you know, the, the death spiral, you know, for however many years. And then, and then June comes along and, um, June was a person who I had covered when I was working at the news tribune and she was at the UW, um, you know, and she brought some life back into the program, but it, you know, as, you know, as it turned out, you know, she, there, you know, it's part of the reason why she lost her job at Washington was it just seemed like there was a ceiling. Um, to what she did. Now, she did have one deep run into the NCAA tournament, but uh, beyond that, it just seemed like her team's never quite, you know, she was kind of, in a lot of ways, kind of the anti-Kyle Smith, right? Where we look at Kyle Smith, we go, man, his team's always overachieve. With June, it was kind of the opposite. You know, her teams would be expected to do certain things, and they always seemed to kind of struggle to live all the way up to that, and, and that continued, you know, when she was at WSU. Now, she gets a ton of credit for um, and by the way, rest in peace, right? She she gets a ton of credit for building a foundation that Kemi Etheridge then comes in and, and builds on. And so, um, you know, just kind of it's exciting seeing a program um, take that next step and 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 make that big jump. Um, I think they, you know, kind of like where uh, with men's basketball, they're like, well, you know, we're actually ahead of schedule. You know, they're like, they were not expecting to be in a position to make the NCAA tournament in Kyle Smith's third season. Um, you know, I bet if you, you know, put some, you know, put a lie detector on, on Kemi Etheridge, she'd probably tell you the same thing that, um, what they did last year was probably, uh, more than what they would have expected heading into the year. So, um, it is super exciting to watch a team that, that did already sort of arrive, um, figure out, okay, so how are they going to top that this year? I, I am, I, I'm a little more wary of that and I, and I, I'm trying to kind of put my finger on why um and, and maybe it's just because they were just so so dependent on charlise last year and kind of as she went they went um uh, you know when she struggled they struggled when she did well they did well um and that's a, that was a huge huge burden to place on charlise now as you mentioned there are some players who we can project out to getting better uh but the reality is they still there's, you know, some of the things that plagued them against some of the better teams, um, notably their their size and athleticism inside. You know that I don't know how much better that gets this year. Bella Murakatete obviously has uh, the most to say about that. Um, if she taps into her uh, what seems to be pretty enormous potential, um, she would be a game changer, right? Cause she's the, she's the one big that we've got that is both large and also, uh, you know, pretty darn athletic. Um, you know, the rest of our bigs are pretty standard WSU type bigs. And, and, and when I say that for people who don't watch a lot of, uh, women's college basketball, the bigs at places like Stanford, uh, well, Stanford in particular, <laughs> but you know, Stanford, UCLA, um, Arizona last year, uh, they were just kind of on a different level than our bigs. And, and it was, it was very, very difficult to overcome that sort of, uh, discrepancy on the front line. So, um, I, I think that's where I'm like, ah, it's, it's, it just like, it seems like the foundation here is just a tiny bit shakier. Uh, but also again, it's, it's easy to, you know, project out how, how the team might, you know, build on what was last year and even exceed what they did last year. So, yeah, we're looking for, uh, you know, jumps of certain players. So, as you said, Charlize went, you know, as WC went, or as Charlize went, WC went, like Charlize, I, I fully expect her to, you know, take a jump in some areas this year. I think, you know, 
I would, you know, expect her to shoot a little better. You know, maybe take a bump on that two point percentage, a bump on that three point percentage. Um, one th- one thing she was very good at was taking care of the ball. One thing the team in general was good at was taking care of the ball. Uh, that's got to be a strength for them this year. I expect it to be, you know, with more experienced guards and everything. Um, I'm real excited about what uh, Tara Wallach brings as a six-two guard. Uh, very versatile player. I think we're. I expect some pretty big things from her this year. To really, uh, you know, last year when Sherilyn Molina uh, left the program, uh, they really the the guard depth really hurt them, and you know her impact was pretty obvious you know, just by her absence. But I think Tara comes in and she can fill that role. Uh, you may, she may even start a lot. You know, I, I would, you know, they might be, she might, cause she's six, two. I mean, she can guard, uh, she can guard the three, she can guard the four. Uh, you know, so she, I, I expect big things from her, not as like, you know, the top player, but just as filling a role of, of, you know, an extra ball handler, you know, a, a versatile defensive player, a versatile scorer. Um, so I'm very excited to see what Tara can bring and, and you know, if you get that improvement from Charlize, just because she's an elite player, so you're 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 hoping that she just takes a she she has that work ethic, she takes that step step up. Um, she wants to be a WNBA player. She needs to take that step up. Um, so I expect that from her. I expect her to to get better, be shooting better. I expect her to be more savvy about getting to the free throw line and and all that. Um, she's already a great defender and she's a great rebounder. Like she's just so good at so many things, but I, it's, it, it can be better. She could do even better. Um, I think Ula is going to be a more reliable offensive player, particularly uh, shooting the ball. I, 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 yeah. I she shot 24. She can do that. Three. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. If she can you know, do that. If she can, hit, she could bump that up from 24 to 30, 32, 35. Because uh, she shoots, like we, we talked about with F.A. on the men's team, but she, she shoots a lot of open shots. So if she can hit them, you know, at, at you know, 10% jump rate, 8%, that's that's another three a game. You know, that's another three points a game, right? I think she's going to take more, too. I, I would expect she took two a game last year. I would expect more like four a game from her. And then Johanna Tader, I think, is – well, Johanna and Bella, really, those are the two players that – might have they the two most athletic players and they're or well, I guess like relative to their position and probably the two kind of other than Charlize the highest ceilings. Uh Johanna is just very quick. Uh, I've heard her described as yep. the fastest player on the team. Um she is a very in uh kind of inconsistent three point shooter, but she shoots a lot of them. Uh, three point shooting is a big part of this team. So again, if she can be more consistent from there, uh, she's got a good looking shot. And then if she can add, you know, that dribble drive a little bit to her game, cause she's got the quickness to do it. So if she could get in the lake, cause she really did. She shot a lot more threes than twos about three times as many threes than twos. So if she could add that, uh, element to her game a little bit more, get get some nice easy points for the free throw line all that uh you know offensively i think is where i'd hope they take a leap um they were pretty solid defensively last year 
they could be a little bit better, but I don't, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe Terra provides that. Uh, but, but I, 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 if they can just make a few more shots, if Michaela Jones could come off the bench, hit more threes, if Grace Sarver could be, you know, she has, you know, if she could be better off the bench, uh, Emma and Curvis, when she fills in, obviously she, um, she's got the size, uh, and they definitely utilize her, but she just needs to finish more than she does. And same with Bella. Bella needs to finish more. Uh, Bella needs to watch her turnovers. Uh, these are things that they can prove. So what we're talking about, you know, if, if, if a few players can take a jump in a few ways, you know, I think they're going to need to, uh, you know, to be, they were a nine seed last year. If they want to get off of that eight, nine line, move up, uh, you know, Charlize can take them there, but they're going to need, you know, improvements from Crystal, you know, Crystal really, I think uh, the big thing for her is maybe cut down on a, a, a turnover to a game and then, you know, maybe a turnover a game and then just hopefully she doesn't have to carry such a burden because that wore her down by the end of the season. Yep. So I'm hoping too many minutes, man. too many too minutes. Many. I'm hoping they, they can get by in this non-conference without, you know, playing so many minutes because last year it just started right off the bat pac 12 conference play. That's all they played. So it yep. was just a grind of a season. And so hopefully, you know, they can kind of work into shape a little bit better, not play too many minutes in non-conference, uh, and then get into the conference play a long conference season, get the, get some big wins again, you know, just having a player like Charlize, just all, you always feel like you get that big win because she's just such a superlative player, uh, a player that, you know, the men's team, they don't have a player like that. Like Charlize is just, uh, you know, a top five player in the league, a top 20 player, probably in the nation. And it, it's just, uh, if if she, if like you said, if if she goes that as WSU goes, if she can, you know, step up in in big games again, and they can notch those big wins, that's what got them to the tournament last year. Uh, they can do that again, and they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat, like they did last year. We could see them again. Well, it, it, you know, down the stretch they didn't because they kind of wore wore down. But uh, if if they can continue doing that, um, you know, I. You know, I see they could repeat what they did last year, maybe, and, and improve on it. Um, just because I, you know, I, I think there's going to be improvement from some players, and 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 this the addition of a, of a, a, another good freshman. Uh, I can see them, you know, having a good season again. Tadair seems like the person to me that is is most likely to potentially be a difference maker. Um, I, I mean, they are just desperate for somebody who can help carry that load with, with Charlize. I mean, I don't know, maybe you have this figure. I don't know what her usage was last year, but it had to be North of 30%, right? Like that's, yeah. Uh, uh, let me scroll down. I'll give it to you in a sec. It was, I mean, no, it was actually only 21%. Uh, Charlize was 30%. I said Charlize, right? You said, Oh, I thought you said crystal. I'm sorry. Yeah. Charlize no, 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 was sorry. 30, yeah, oh, Charlize. I, I, sorry. Uh, no. Yeah. 30% for Charlize. Yeah. Yep. So that sounds about right. So, uh, you know, as we saw now, I, I think it's also reasonable to expect that she will be perhaps a bit more durable this year and be also, able to carry. Great. She had a she had a thirty percent usage while only a twelve percent turnover rate. So like there you she go. She was Which taking a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy pants. 
Um, and as much as she was putting the ball on the floor too, uh, and driving to the rim to only have that many turnovers is actually pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, you know, she, I think there's reason to expect that she could carry a big load and also maybe not wear out as much. Um, you know, players tend to do that as they get older and, and get more experienced. So there's that, but also I think we, you know, I think we could agree that, um, th- you know, that's not a real great thing to count on being like, okay, we're going to count on Charlize, you know, you know, 30% usage and, you know, just carrying us to the finish line game after game after game. Um, you know, there were plenty of games last year that were close and, you know, she was able to put them over the top at the end. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the role of, of luck and randomness and, and it just feels like, you know, unless they get some, you know, some significant help for her from elsewhere that, you know, a whole bunch of those coin flip games, you know, if you're, if you're unlucky, you could go the other direction. So, uh, today seems like the one that's kind of ready. I love her jump shot. Um, I know that, uh, she was a little inconsistent, but, but I think she's got the potential to be a dead eye shooter. Um, she could be someone who really could add, um, another dimension to the offense if she is, if she has grown a little bit, um, in terms of her skill set. So, uh, whatever it is, it's got to come from somebody. Um, you know, I, I don't know who for sure that's going to be, but some, somebody on that team has to, uh, make it so Charlize doesn't have to come to the rescue, you know, game after game after game. Cause that's, you know, it's just playing with fire. And, uh, you know, that, that's how a team goes from getting into the tournament one year to scratching their head at the end of the next year going, you know, what, what happened? I thought, I thought we were an upward trajectory and it's like, well, you know, it's, you know, you got, you got to add to what, to what you had. Um, and, and this team needs to figure out a way to do that. Well, I will say on the coin flip games, like they did, you know, they, they won a couple, they, they won, they beat Arizona, um, and they beat Oregon state. But they also lost in OT at USC. They lost in OT at UCLA. Yep, that's um, true. Like, so they, you know, it's not like they were dominating. And, you know, they, they're, you know, they lost a close game uh, in in the tournament. So like, it's not they were dominating those coin flip games. There really were some teams that they, you know, they were they could not figure out Stanford. But they there not were not many teams, people did. Yeah, there were some teams <laughs> that. Uh, really they early in the season they played really well against and then as they just wore down towards the end of the year um they they're obviously superior to like utah and uw and and uh cal which they you know they missed you know they didn't get a play uh but um in colorado which you know was a big one um they they lost that's another coin flip one they lost colorado at home uh but uh yeah so i it really just comes out, you know, they really, it's exactly what you said. They need some, Charlize needs some help so that, you know, if they're, if they're wearing down at the end of the season, there's, there's more from everyone else. You know, today we talk about usage. She was only 50, 15% last year. Ula's only at 15%. Both of them could probably take more shots. You know, if, if they're more, if they're better this year, look for more shots take some of the load off Charlize, even take some of the load off Crystal. She was at 21%. I'd like to see her, you know, more around 18%. Yep. Yeah, um, that was too high for her. Bella's at 23%. I'd expect that from, like, your your main big, honestly. Um, but, you know, but then you're taking off a bench player. You, you lost Sherilyn Morlina down the stretch. She was a 16% usage, be- very efficient bench player. So you're going to need that again. That That's what they lost down the stretch. 
you need you need that sixth person to come in and be a, be an efficient uh, medium usage off the bench player and the place the players that are kind of that are that are uh, possibly could do that is Grace Grace Sarver and Michaela Jones. That's who I expect that could potentially fill that role. And then, um, yeah, so uh, hopefully, you know, we could see Ula, Johanna uh, take bigger, you know, bigger roles in the offense, take some pressure off Charlize because she is a a good distributor too. So I'd like to see her um, distribute a little bit as well. Um, You know, but she's got to trust that the people on the other end are going to make the shots. (laughs) Uh, That's a big thing. Uh, yep. but, but yeah, so I don't know, uh, broadly, what do you expect out of them this year? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to project a, a big step forward. Uh, but I think if they can make it into the NCAA tournament again, I think that's a huge success. Um, you know, maybe they do take a massive step forward and, you know, jump from, you know, a low seated NCAA tournament team to a, to a higher seated NCAA tournament team. But, um, I don't know, man, there's just something about the season and maybe I'm just, you know, full of garbage, but <laughs> there was just something about what they did last year that made me feel like it, it, it was a little more tenuous. It was exciting. Um, super fun to watch them. Very exciting to get into. Uh, but when you're projecting out for the next season feels maybe just a little bit tenuous, um, you know, because they were so reliant on one player being so spectacular. Um, you know, if she takes any kind of a step back or has an injury or anything like that, um, that's a huge, huge problem. So, um, so again, you know, if they can get to where they were last year, um, I would consider that a success because then you go, okay, you build on that. Okay. You got two successful years in a row. Okay. Now we're really kind of growing into it, uh, for the year after that. So yeah, if they can, you know, I don't remember exactly what their record was last year. And, and I know that it'd be different anyway, 12 because and, now we're 12 and 12. With, yeah. Playing with a full season this year. So, um, so if they can get to somewhere like, you know, over 30 games, if they can get to somewhere like 17 and 13, you know, 18 and 12, I think that would be awesome and pretty massive. And, uh, I, I think that would be, um, you know, good enough to get them probably back in the tournament, uh, as, as a PAC 12 team. And, um, and I, I would feel really good about where they're going if that happens. Yeah. So last year they played, uh, 21, uh, or let's see, uh, they played 19 conference games, uh, and went, uh, what nine and 10 in those. Um, so this yeah. year they'll, the, this year they'll play, uh, 20, I believe. Um, yep. so I think I, you know, I look at the schedule, I, I I'm putting the uh, two Stanford ones as a loss, right? But there's a lot yeah. of teams they can beat on here. Uh, yep. you know, Arizona is not going to be as good as they were. Uh, Cal is still going to be bad and they get Cal twice. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, Arizona State, Washington, these are teams they can beat. I, I think I could see them uh, getting to 10, you know, 10, 10 or 11 non-conference wins, add in, yeah, add in a good non-conference, seven, you know, six or seven or eight wins. Getting to that, yeah, 18, you know, 17, 13, 18, 12. Yeah, maybe getting off that eight line 
I could see them getting back to the tournament. I think they will get back to the tournament. I think Charlize Ledger Walker is too good to have them not get to the tournament. Yes, she could be injured, but she seemed pretty tough. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll make it back, and hopefully they'll win a game this year in the tournament. That's the step forward to make, I think, is to get there and win. Yeah. And, and that that's what they're – As they do. really should have last year anyway. Yeah, they really should have. Yeah. Um, but uh, – yeah, so I'm excited for this. Um, I, I think both these teams are going to the tournament. It's going to be a fun ass basketball God, season. How cool will that be? Yeah, just it's it's going to be such a fun basketball season. Um, I you know I, I have season tickets to both. I'm not going to be able to make a lot of the games for both. Hit me up if you want tickets, uh, and let me know. Um, and uh, especially these non-conference games, I'll be tossing them out. Like, <laughs> let me know. Um, yeah. So yeah, we did it. We did it. We previewed we both it. teams. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for basketball season. I love basketball. We're both basketball guys. This is what we want. Yes. Yeah, um, this is what we live for. Yeah. And now we have, like I love it. Now that I've adopted, like I'm hardcore into the women's team as well. So now I have two basketball teams twice as many basketball games to watch it's fantastic yeah um bye family i i loved you i'll miss you <laughs> i'll see you in april um <laughs> yeah it's gonna be fun um yeah so i guess you know if if you uh if you like what you heard we're gonna be talking basketball all season we're gonna be talking we're gonna be previewing the oregon football game on friday so go ahead and give us a a, a subscribe rate us five stars um if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at the craig powers i'm at craig w powers on instagram jeff is at pod versus everyone on twitter he doesn't have an instagram or or, you know maybe his family yeah i do but i don't ever use it okay um but but yeah so don't follow him that's boring no Uh, that would be boring uh my number one recommendation is to not follow jeff on instagram uh, but also, if you have any questions, comments, uh, podcast versus everyone at gmail.com. And with that, Jeff, I say go Cougs. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Go ahead and get fucking vaccinated, people. Exactly.